welcome back to the Naiku Podcast. I'm your host, La, and... Hey there, it's Molly. And we are back with another episode. If you tuned in last week, we were talking about the Hmong culture um, and the expectations that we have for Hmong women. So for this week's episode, we wanted to talk about the perfect Hmong man, the perfect Hmong boy, and what that looks like growing up. And full disclaimer, we're both... Hmong women here, both Hmong females. We nobody we a man. Yeah, we we <laughs> don't have that, that full Hmong man perspective, and right. we acknowledge that. So I think there definitely are going to be some things that we um, may uh, share that may not be um, fully true. You know, it's our truth though. It's our perspective and our bias that we have. So we fully understand that we want to apologize in advance if we offend anybody, but we just want to share our perspective. And um, hopefully we can get a Hmong guy to come and share his perspective at some point. Um, even if we do, we know that um, our truth as Hmong women varies from every Hmong woman and our truth for Hmong men, and it's going to vary person to person as well. So um, just wanted to share this with you guys and just kind of dive right in. Um, I don't know, Molly, I feel like you probably have more insight on what the Hmong expectation is for a perfect Hmong boy or Hmong man is, because you had a lot of brothers. I just had a brother about like seven years ago, Mm -hmm. and that pressure has always been kind of known, but it's not very clear to Mm -hmm. me at times. So Mm -hmm. what was that like for you, like comparing your life to your brother's life growing up? Yeah, I think a big part of it is um, even... We're gonna even start from. I I used this term in in the in the last podcast I think, and it it's we've dubbed it the crown jewels, like literally the crown jewels. <laughs> this is so funny. Um, yeah. yeah, because I think as we continue evolving as the Hmong culture community, just just who we are as a group of individuals mm-hmm. collectively as well. I think eventually we're going to start phasing out the patriarchal components of our culture. Mm-hmm. But today, I think they're still very alive and well. And again, not good, bad, or ugly for any reason. There's, we are just a very patriarchal culture. Yeah. And so for, for my family growing up, um, we had us three sisters first. So, of course, my parents wanted, needed that boy. High level here, 50,000 foot view. According to my mom, she did everything. She did all of the herbal medicine. She did everything that she could probably think of to ensure that they got a boy. Mm -hmm. And it's very much that way. Um, I had shared this with some of my, um, some, some of my audience with, through Lotus, my business was that when I birth my first son, the first thing my mom said to me was, oh, thank goodness he's a boy. Mm -hmm. Your in-laws will be happy. And then when I gave birth to my second boy, the first thing my mom said when she greeted me in the hospital was, now your in-laws really can't be upset and disappointed in you Mm -hmm. because you gave them two grandsons. I mean, it's true. They yeah. they can't be yeah. culturally. Culturally, they can't. Yeah. So you allow for that to sink in. You know, we are still in that moment of crown jewels are important. Having boys are important. Not saying that girls are not. There is a, a value in daughters that is is unparalleled to boys. But I think the boys is the legacy. They are yeah. the pillar of our clan, of your family. Mm-hmm. And so 
when you have one boy, it's like everyone's happy that you have one boy, but you can't just have one boy because then they're not going to have any brothers. And then where's that brotherhood? And then it's like it spirals into like you have to have more boys, whatever. Yeah. But I think a, a big part of the ideal Hmong man is someone who is still very family-oriented, who is very into their lineage. Um, mm-hmm. I remember my brother being able to recite all of his... Really? Yes. My dad was like, who's your grandpa? Who's your great-grandpa? Who's your great-great-grandpa? I and, kind of love that. Oh, my dad is so big on that. And I do. I, I love yeah. that piece of it for sure. I, that is not anything that I... And, and I was just telling La, I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to have my own kids to be able to say, who's your grandpa on your mom's side? Who's your grandpa oh, on your... Me. Bless you. On your on your dad's <laughs> side, right? And yeah. understanding that. Lineage is so important in our culture is understanding who, who's your who. Yeah. And I think a big part of it too is my dad was and is, I should say is is a big piece of my, what we call ningcha, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. married now, so I go to my husband's side. But my dad, and for that point, my father-in-law as well, they hold cultural roles and responsibilities traditionally in their family. So my father-in-law is very good at being able to be the make-gong for the family or for the weddings, mm-hmm. as well as the tisai at the funeral. So mm-hmm. he knows how to do all of the traditional stuff. My dad, um, he's Christian, so he doesn't do any shaman funerals, but he does know how to do all of the um, thanks, like the giving thanks mm-hmm. at funerals for the the cloud money, the heaven money. Yeah. He also knows how to be a make for for weddings. So my both both of my father figures, my dad and my father in law, are very big in knowing the traditional how tos mm-hmm. for weddings and funerals. That stems down to Mike, and it stems down to my brothers. Mm-hmm. They are expected to also know that because it's almost like. You have to practice. You have to continue the yes, legacy, essentially. Yes. You yeah. have to know how to do all that. And um, I would say that my husband and my, my brother are pretty good. They could probably learn more. But they do it because they know that as oldest boys, as oldest sons, mm-hmm. that is what you are expected to do. You are to know yeah. your clan. You are to know how to do those cultural, traditional rituals and ceremonies. Like. I- that's I wonder at what age, I, I don't know if you've ever talked to Mike about this, but at what age did he start to have those expectations placed on him, right? Because when we talked about, like, Hmong women, we started talking about, like, at specific ages, yeah. we started to do chores, started to cook and do all those things. Like, what age did he start to feel that pressure? Yeah. So for my brother, yeah, I can tell you, because mm-hmm. I witnessed it, my brother was, like, little. Five, six, Shut seven. Oh, swear. Man, swear most people are so intense. Swear to you. And that was when, and then as he got older, yeah. as he got older, and, and I love my brother, so shout out to you. But he would joke around. He's like, yeah, I'm I'm important now. I was, I got a phone oh call to come God. and join the family meeting. And you're the oldest. Yeah. The oldest. <laughs> because he's the boy. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and so... It is at a very young age that my dad asked my brother to start understanding that and to start getting involved in family clan meetings. With my husband, though, like, I think my, and again, this is, I I don't know 100%, but I can tell you that especially now that my husband is married, he has his own family, I think there's more more pressure and more expectation for him to do that. But my father-in-law is very gentle, so he's very kind. Would he want Mike to know how to do it all? 
absolutely. Mm-hmm. But does he understand? Is he going to force it on Mike? No. That's he, really nice. He, yeah. He, he's like, listen, I'm not going to be here forever. So if you want to learn, learn now. I can teach you. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to force it upon him. You know, and so what is that like? You know, so it's it. Um, Mike just kind of picks and chooses what he wants, and and <laughs> I think the dynamic, the unique dynamic in our yeah. family is that um, my in laws are shaman, whereas Mike and I are Christian. So we, so he gets to kind of balance which ones he wants to do and mm-hmm. what he wants to learn and what he doesn't and stuff like that. It's really nice. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think uh, that's the big part of it. It goes right back to our previous episode of respect of the culture, knowing that and loving and embracing that component, I think, is a big piece of it. What you said earlier about your brother saying, like, oh, I got invited to this mm-hmm. meeting. I'm so important. It just made me think about this conversation I had with my partner. Actually, this, this morning, we were talking about... Um, like a lot of different ideas. And one thing that we mentioned was like the Stanford prison experiment, the Wikipedia page. It defines it as a social psychology experiment influenced by the Milgram experiment that attempted to investigate psychological effects of perceived power, focusing on the struggle between prisoners and prison officers. So I'm sure we've all heard that, you know, experiment before where certain people were called the prisoners and then other people were called, you know, the prison officers. And there's like this power imbalance. And so I feel like that's kind of what happens in the Hmong culture is that we we put all the power into like our boys, right? And so that's how they gain their value because it's just something we've passed on from generation to generation instead of you know giving it to women because I think that in my life like my younger brother who is just like seven years old could never really do that with me because one he's younger than me and I you know don't um he, we don't have a need for him to be part of meetings just yet you know that's yeah, just he's not seven a, years old <laughs> exactly but I know like my dad has always took taken lead right so my dad has always taken lead in family meetings he's always um you know it's always whenever we have those like clan meetings it's all men Mm -hmm. and so it's always men who deal with the big picture politics it's usually men who emcee every event right it's usually emceeing you know new year's events or like family parties it's you know at church even it's usually the men leading and it's so emphasized and it doesn't help that like i think christianity typically emphasizes men leading too and so it just like cycles into this whole story of like men being leaders and men being the patriarchs and it just continues onwards and even even as we mentioned previously is that like men can have multiple wives and men can have you know a mistress on the side and leave their wife essentially for another woman if they really wanted to because they have that power Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they they are the ones who carry the legacy Mm -hmm. and because women have not been appointed as a person to carry legacy that we don't have as much value in the moment community Mm -hmm. so uh, that's not really like speaking to the Hmong man's experience in terms of like what it feels like pressure wise but it is what happens culturally yeah you know yeah yeah well and and let me just share too one of the things that my husband and I know he would be okay with me sharing this Mm -hmm. is that because so much of the clan expectations for boys is for you to be a leader yeah some boys are just they don't want to lead. Oh, that's so true. You know, like not everyone is born to lead. Yeah. They just want to be them and they are fantastic supporters and they yeah. just want to be on the side. They're like, listen, I will help you, but I don't want to be on that podium. Mm-hmm. I don't want to public speak. Right back to what your experience was of doing forensics, right? Like yeah. not every son 
is is going to want to be in the limelight. Yeah. And I think that was the component that my husband and my brother really my my brother is so soft spoken. He's he's a quiet. He's more like he's he's hilarious. He's got a great sense of humor, but he will step up and he'll do a speech if he wants to. But if you to to like force them yeah, into doing yeah. it. Yeah. Like it's it's almost like uh, case in point. My mom had her second open heart surgery, and we did a, you know, um, a gratitude uh, blessing party for her at church. Mm-hmm. And again, because my brother is the boy, he I told I I know my place. I said, you know, let let my brother be the one to do the speech because he is talking for all of us. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they said, well because you're the oldest, do you want to say something? And I said, well, my husband is here, so to honor my husband, I'm going to allow him to do the speech on my behalf. I know my place. I know that my husband is the head, I'm the neck. Same with my brother. You know, they get... Culturally. Yeah, culturally, that's... As boys, they're expected to be leaders. But I will tell you, my brother and my husband are not public speakers. (laughs) Especially my husband. He gets... Terrible stage fright. Yeah. Terrible. If you expect him to do a speech on a whim, he will not do it because he needs time to process, mm-hmm. to think about what he wants to say, how to say it. He needs to practice. He needs to feel really good and comfortable and confident about how, how he wants to execute that speech. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, <laughs> is a natural born, pu- born public speaker. I yeah. love being on that podium. And if you were to say, Molly, I need you to do a speech. Okay, cool. What do you want me to talk about? Got it. Give me five minutes. I do, 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 and I will go out there and I will wing it and I will feel in my element. Mm-hmm. But because they're the boys, though. Yeah. They're the men's. They're the husbands. They're the oldest son. They're expected to lead. And yeah. it's just not their natural strength. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is all of a sudden making me think of <laughs> so many different scenarios. Okay. Because, yeah. So think about, like, okay. Because at the end of the day... One of the biggest things that I seek for myself, and I've said this to you so many times, is freedom, right? And I I just don't want to be held back by what people will think of me. I don't want to be held back of what I think of myself. I don't want to hold, put myself in a box and limit my own, like, experience or, like, limits and things like that. I want to grow. I want to continually feel and experience life. So I really believe that I have to pursue freedom. But I also think that that probably came from all these strict like definitions of mm-hmm. what among person is among women among man and then it makes me think about kind of you know uh, the struggles like you said about how some among men just don't want to maybe maybe they don't want to right we, it's just crazy to assume that every boy wants to be this manly man mm-hmm. and be the leader and make these political decisions for the among clan and the among culture and uh like and beat on their chest. Yeah. Masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> and not all of them are like that. Yeah. And our, our generation coming up, I like to think that we're becoming more self-aware and we're not, you know, as greedy for power or, you know, we have as big as egos. Like, I think we all will still struggle with ego and pride and, you know, balance and stuff like that. But 
I think that there's definitely going to be some people who may not want to be grilling with the men, you know, or they might not want to um, just be standing around while the women are like cooking in the kitchen. What if they are someone who loves to cook too and they would love to help or learn the recipes so that they can teach their own kids, you know, whether they have their own Hmong family or an interracial family, like, or what if they are gay and mm-hmm. they don't want, I definitely know a lot of Hmong gays out there. Hey y'all, what's up? I love a good gay man. Like I just have so many gay friends and I can't imagine the pressure that they have to think about like okay I'm supposed to marry among women but I don't want to marry among Mm -hmm. women at all and And plant my seed and grow my seed like yeah and how unfair is it that I have to like not be my true self and I have to be what they want me to be I have to be happy in their terms and their definitions and I have to go to sleep miserable every night I empathize with that because I don't want to be I don't want to do what other people want me to do and I don't want to like go to sleep with my own consequences so but from a male's perspective having to like let's say like even if you're somewhere in between what if you're a gay man and you want to be political. You want to make decisions and change things for your culture. But you are kind of discredited because you don't have mm-hmm. a wife. You know, you're discredited because you can't have kids. Because, well, you probably could if your partner and you, you know, choose to adopt. But, you know, you can't have your own biological kids with your partner. You know, you probably have to have a, a surrogate woman, you know. And, like, there are all these complexities that go with it that you couldn't do in the Hmong culture. It would really restrict you from being yourself, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, or even just, like, your career path. Think mm-hmm. about, like, if you want to be a stand-up comedian. What What does that even mean in the Hmong culture? Mm-hmm. No. And, and, and exactly. Where you are, and that's the thing, is I think La really illuminated something that's important, that mm-hmm. I think for us, because we're living and breathing the Hmong women stereotypes and expectations, yeah. doesn't mean that it's any worse than a Hmong man. Now, I think, you know, I think, quite honestly, I think yeah. some some of our Hmong sisters would probably beg to differ and stand corrected and say that it is harder for the Hmong woman yeah. in our culture because we are much of a patriarchal culture and we do get suppressed in a lot yeah. of components. So I'm not dismissing that. For I'm sure. saying that there is still struggles and obstacles mm-hmm. that even our brothers are facing, our husbands are facing. And, and if we don't like feeling unauthentic and being suppressed and then we should also help them to feel like they can be their authentic self there's a sense of 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 that expectation that's on them as well Mm -hmm. and you know it, it you you have to be able to say that there's empathy and compassion for for both genders in our culture yeah we do need that especially as the culture continues to grow and i think that um but like what you said earlier also is true, right? Like growing up, I think there's always been this known um, like unspoken truth that the boys can get away with anything, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? They can mm-hmm. get away with anything. They can um, stay out late with their friends. They can go to the movies, hang out and like talk to girls and they can go do whatever they want to do. They don't have to cook and clean and stay home like uh if they help at parties it's just moving tables or chairs Mm -hmm. um taking out garbage but they don't have to do the cooking the decoration they don't have to coordinate things they don't have to like plan like the layout of stuff i mean they might want to coordinate maybe like who sits where because that's very political and business oriented but it's not like the nitty-gritty of like coordinating the calls getting the venue set up like things like that i could definitely see where it's frustrating because women really have to do all the legwork yes and then the men have the face and 
yeah. So yeah. It, it can be really yeah and frustrating. You know, let's let's take this down a little bit of a different pivot. I think mm-hmm. what I've said before is because we have this masculine manly man expectation. Mm-hmm. I find that it's really hard for my brothers and my husband mm-hmm. to tap into their emotional side oh, of things. Yes. Um, and so they get tough love. Um, I have seen um, my brother, definitely, especially the older one, get the really hard love from my dad. Mm-hmm. It, there is no, there is no if ands or buts it Mm is I'm gonna be tough on you because you are a boy and that's what you get yeah there's no wiggle room from that love and compassion perspective that my dad would give in grace to Mm -hmm. us as daughters okay Mm -hmm. um same with my husband my husband has a really hard time with tapping into holding himself accountable even saying I'm sorry for his actions because Hmong men don't make mistakes. They don't have to apologize for mm-hmm. anything because of that authoritative mindset. Yeah. It was really difficult for him to grasp. He's much he's so much better now, thankfully. But when we first I like he he's he I have have you ever said I'm sorry? He said no. Can <laughs> you, you actually never, asked? Yeah, him? like have you ever even that's not how you apologize to someone. He's like, What do you mean? I said I'm sorry. I was like, No, 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 no. There is a missing sincerity. There's like, do you really mean it? Have you ever said I'm sorry? He's like, no, I've never had to say I'm sorry. I don't say. We just, they, they almost dismiss the fact that that action or yeah. that, that, that mistake has ever happened. And then it they just, just goes right under yep, the rug. Yep. And it's like, I'm just going to just gonna keep proceeding forward. I know you're going to love me anyway. So I'm just going to, and I'm like, no, no, no. We're, we're going to talk about our emotions here. Our boys, our brothers, our husbands, they struggle with opening up because they were never given the permission to mm-hmm. be emotional. Mm-hmm. So so they got tough love. So so it's hard because I always say this. I said, it's like I'm teaching my husband how to love. Mm-hmm. How to love their parent, his parents, how to love my parents, and how to love me. Mm-hmm. And how to love our boys. Because he only knows tough love. Mm-hmm. So it's really difficult. I call him out on it mm-hmm. when he is giving my boys tough love. I'm like, I understand, but I don't. So if you want to end this cycle, you need to end it now. Yeah. There is a component of when you make a mistake, you sit down with our boys and you explain and you apologize and you ask for their forgiveness. Oh, my God. That is so powerful. Isn't it? That is so powerful. And it seems so obvious to the (laughs) non-moan person. Like, if you make a mistake, you say you're sorry. Listen, y'all, no joke. Our boys, the males in our culture have never been asked to ask for forgiveness and or learn how to be compassionate. It is not a part of the patriarchal gorilla mindset. Yeah, because because a part of that is we're just trying to train the men to be strong. Gorilla warfare. Yeah. For real. That's yeah. For people who don't know, Hmong people grew up in the mountainsides of like Laos and Vietnam. And when the Vietnam War happened, Hmong people got into the mix and we started helping Americans out and we got involved with guerrilla warfare and I mean, even before that, I just feel like Hmong people have always had to push themselves to survive and to be yes. so strong. 
fight or flight mentality. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why we have so many kids. We need to have ensure our like legacy. Mm-hmm. We need to have many wives so we can ensure our legacy. We need to have tough men to ensure our legacy. So all of that was like survival mode. And I think that's really ingrained in our culture. But I I do hear you. I think that's really tough that I mean, I think everybody will agree that there's a level of toxic masculinity in general, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Just all across all cultures. But I think for Hmong culture in particular, because it was so heavy on based on survival that, I mean, even like I think white people and anybody who's in the military and they've ever gone to war, they have that level of like, I have to be tough. I can't show emotions. Like that's exactly what's ingrained in our culture. Not even just like a family of like military people. Like it's in our culture as a people group. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to like work out of it. And I think it's amazing and great for your family to be a part of that culture where we're trying to um, incorporate forgiveness, incorporate humility, incorporate apologies so that if you if your husband shows it to your kids that they can pass it on with a lot more ease as opposed to what we've been through before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, and it, to tie this almost bridge the conversation what we had at the last episode um, when it comes to the hierarchy and the roles that each person plays, right? Like our parents they are the king and the queen and you do not yes. you do not cross them, right? Yeah. One of the things that I my husband and I are putting in place in our family is it's one thing, yes. Don't cross mom and dad. We are the end we are the be all end all and yeah. like we say, right? What we yeah. say goes. However, if we make a mistake because we are humans, we are parents, we will own it, we will sit down with you and we will talk. Mm-hmm communication is important i don't know how many of your families communicate like i'm talking about i'm saying it and i am not gonna apologize it i'm I'm gonna be very unapologetic at this point very bold Mm -hmm. Hmong families every single one of us we need therapy Mm -hmm. we need family therapy because nobody knows how to communicate and Mm -hmm. it's not anyone's fault but i'm going to end it and that cycle of lack of communication and understanding and empathy with my children. Yeah. So when my husband gets, or my children and my husband and they get, especially my boys, they get into a fight and they get into an argument for whatever reason and they're upset, Mike is going to pull them down, let them simmer down. They're going to say, okay, this is the reason why. This is the reason why this happened. This is why I did this. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry you didn't feel this or I shouldn't have done this. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. This is what I need from you. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. They will hug it out. I love you. Oh, my God. I'd be crying and, so hard. And, and we allow for our boys to be emotional. So even though, like, Aww. I've caught Mike so many times, like, stop crying. What? Stop crying. <laughs> and it's like, no, cry Yeah. and be angry. It's, it's one thing to say yeah. to my, to especially my boys, like, it's okay to be upset. Mm-hmm. How you respond to your emotions, though, need to be the right one so it needs to be kind it needs to be safe and it needs to be respectful Mm -hmm. so if you're angry you better not go and bust a hole in my wall that's not kind sure it's not respectful to my property and it's not safe for Mm -hmm. you or you know for anyone else to punch a hole in a wall be angry but figure out a way that you can sit with your emotions so we Mm -hmm. don't tell them to stop crying we don't tell them to stop being angry we just say figure it out chill out do what you need to do with your emotions and when you're ready come talk to us Mm -hmm. And so that is a huge po- component of it. And I have to, I find like I'm constantly telling Mike, like, babe, it's Mother's Day. Write her something nice in her card. Yeah. Really think about what to say. 
And he doesn't really know how to find the words, but it's gotten a lot better for him. Mm-hmm. And um, let me ask you, La, what? how many times have you seen your dad cry? I actually was going to tell you, um, my dad has made a tremendous effort to communicate with us. And I feel like I've shared this with you so many times. Like, sometimes I feel like it blows your mind how my it dad... Does. My dad has really tried to break away from, like, what he's seen before. My dad, um, growing up, didn't really have the opportunity to go to school back in Laos because he was one of the younger sons. And so the older sons went, mm-hmm. right? And so my dad always coveted that. He always wanted that. And my dad fell in love with, like, people who had... Um, who who were big leaders and whether they were good or bad, my dad just respected their influence. Right. So like, um, you know, even someone as crazy as like Mao Zedong, you know, Stalin, uh, Hitler, my dad was like, wow, these people have so much influence, right? Not that he stood for, he, you know, supported what they stood for, but he just admired their power and their influence. And he also really admired people like Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King and Gandhi and how they really fought. Not only did they have influence, but they fought for something so good. Mm-hmm. And so with that in mind, my dad always kind of like reevaluated like inequality and things like that. And so um, growing up, because he didn't have any sons for so long, he still put it upon himself to love his daughters immensely, right? So um, growing up, he always said, be careful of drugs, sex, and study, right? So you just want to be very careful and cautious when you, um, in, you know, partake in any of these things because you don't want to slip up. And in addition to that, he also would have meetings with us where we would sit down as a family and we would talk out issues sometimes, not all the time, but they happen pretty often, you know, like That's I, awesome. yeah, it was really great. And my dad would like ask us for our thoughts and our input before my parents even bought rental property. They were like, look, we're going to do something really crazy. Like this is a big endeavor for us. And obviously we're so young. We're like in seventh grade. We don't fully understand everything. And they're like, but we're going to ask you guys for your help. Are you guys okay with that? This is what it's going to mean for us. And so from, uh, like 11 up until like last year like 16 17 years of hard work like their full-time jobs and extra um they had no time to themselves i i can't express that enough like all we did was work and it was exhausting another reason why i moved out because it was exhausting it was so much work and even when i moved out i still would go back and i would help them on the weekends and sometimes after work to take care of the properties cut grass install toilets carpets stuff like that but my dad always made a point to have conversations with us and it was rare but sometimes he would apologize sometimes he would own up to mistakes and he would like that's awesome he would be willing to say if we made a point he would acknowledge it and he would like always um, try to level with us as much as he could. Sometimes he couldn't. He's still a man. He still like has mm-hmm. his pride and he's still our leader and he's still our father figure. And so he doesn't want to give it all up. And I understand that, um, you know, because just to, to some extent you can't. And, um, you know, uh, at least for his generation. And I, I did see that every now and then. So it was really helpful and it helped me kind of shape how I, you know, taught my siblings too when they have difficulties, right? Like I would go to them. If I fight with my siblings, I go and I say sorry. And I, I kind of like you, I let them be angry. I let, I let them have their moment because you just have to, you have to be real. And I help them acknowledge like what is real, what's really happening and why do you feel like that and breaking down their thoughts. And so 
like something as small as what my dad did to just start having these conversations and to just like start apologizing here and there to say, Hey, if you say something right, I will acknowledge it and I will back down, you know? And so hearing that helped me also kind of kill my own ego too. So I definitely think that if we do this on a generational level, it will really change our culture. 100%. My dad is like the poster child of Mm -hmm. what a hardcore tough love man is. And, um, I he's getting much better at it now but Mm -hmm. he will text me and he will email me Mm -hmm. to say that he loves me but he will go at a roundabout way of saying he's sorry without saying directly he's sorry (laughs) that's so Asian though right? yeah yeah yeah. and I will share with you that I I've never in my memory have hugged my dad ever Mm. um and I know, I've just accepted the fact, and it's not bad, but I've accepted the fact that um, I will probably never hear my dad say he loves me and wow. he's sorry out loud, out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Maybe on his deathbed, I might. That's so tough. But, you know, but that's, I just know that that's just, he's better as a writer than he is a speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not saying he... Ugh, my, I get my public speaking skills from my dad, but I mean, sharing his emotions. He writes mm. his emotions better than he says it out loud. Mm. And he's the type, he's the, again, poster poster man of, I'm going to say I love you and I'm sorry in other ways. And he, and um, I've, I've even caught my parents say this, like, you know we love you, Molly, because we love your kids. <laughs> such a roundabout way (laughs) oh man that's so crazy yeah and so i just have learned (laughs) to just be like okay that's their way of showing that they love me so deeply by loving and spoiling my children to the point of like i swear there's times where i'm just like i'm gonna give you the dental bill because you're the one feeding them candy all the time like (laughs) they're cavities i have to pay for it but yeah you should just be happy if if we didn't love you, then we wouldn't love your kids this way. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there is some truth to mm-hmm. that. But even so, okay. Speaking about I saying I love you, my dad. I think in the last couple of years, I I had a really couple tumultuous years with him in late college and after I moved out, it was really tough. There were some years where we didn't even talk um, at all. Like my dad didn't even acknowledge me because mm. he was so mad at me for moving out. But. After, like, I continue to show up and I continue to be the reliable daughter and I continue to show, like, hey, I moved out, but I'm still your daughter. I'm still here. Let me help you cook dinner. Okay? <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's what I would do. And so then, like, our relationship slowly started to get better. Um, but my dad also started to see, like, some of his peers pass mm. and he started to see, you know, um, his health decline in certain ways. And it started to really, like, shake him up and it started to give him this sense of mortality like wow like what good is my pride if I am so uh if I'm so mortal you know if I'm going to just pass away like I need to show people that I love them and this isn't something my dad ever said or expressed but he showed in his actions because you know when I leave I I will say my dad will tell me hey be a good girl and make sure you make the right decision and I'm like okay dad thank you I will I will I love you and he's like I love you more that see and I and I love that. And, you know, um, 
it's so interesting. I love to hear how direct your experience is yeah. with your dad because, like, my dad is just, like I said, so, so not like that. Mm-hmm. And um, he – the only way that I knew that he actually – it's not that I didn't know he loved me. But, again, he does it in a roundabout way. He actually said – he was getting his hair cut by Mike. Yeah. Um, and he was having this conversation with Mike about, so is this all the kids you're going to have? You know, like, Brielle's the only daughter. Are you going to have any more? And Mike's mm-hmm. like, no, I think we're done. Like, we're good. And he said, you know, I'm just happy you have a daughter. And he started going into oh, this conversation. Yeah. You never hear them you say don't. that. You don't. You don't. Then, and then, so he started talking to Mike about how, like, you know, daughters – they love so deep and they love you (laughs) in a level that your boys will never be able to. And it's just because they're your daughters. And, and it's like, and, and and, (laughs) he started going about how like, he knows how much I love him because I do this and this and this and and I, whatever, whatever. And Mm -hmm. he's like, you know, I never knew until I, you know, Molly was so much older that she can show me that Mm -hmm. and um, it's good that you have a daughter if you have more it's gonna even be even better yes and that's why like even though my family we have six daughters like everybody says like the woman will always whisper to my mom and be like yeah it's okay like girls love better like girls know how to love you guys better anyways because it's it's yeah we there's a level of love that's just tied to us as women mm-hmm. as like daughters and I think it stems I've said this before to my 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 client audiences I think it's it goes right back and in connecting the dots here y'all with the cookie cutter expectation of who we are as a daughter when we know when we when our moms give birth to us and they know that they're our daughter you my dad has always said this to me from the minute that he knew I was a girl he was already mentally emotionally preparing himself to let me go mm. because he knew that I was yeah. going to eventually get married and become someone else's family and that he had to learn to let me go so he almost naturally like put this wall up yes, against yeah. didn't even build an attachment because he knew he couldn't have me forever mm. he didn't want to have me forever because he needed me to find my next protector. Yeah. And that was my husband and his family. And so you were already like, there are sayings in our culture like my parents would say to me, I remember my wedding day when my mom and my grandma and my aunties was like, oh, this day, the day of your wedding marks the beginning of your life. And I'm like, but that's not true because I've, I mean. I was I, born uh, yeah, on this day. Yeah, you know, like what was I doing <laughs> up until this point? You know, like my life just didn't begin when I get married. But yeah, in our culture, so much of who we are is tied to that monumental milestone of getting married mm-hmm. and becoming our own wives and, and moms and birthing our own children. That that is so tied to it, right? And so my... My, 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 again, my dad said this to my husband, and when my dad went home, my husband's like, you'd never believe what, my, what your dad just told me. I was like, what? And he just told me. I was like, oh, my goodness. I feel so good to yeah. hear that. And even, you didn't even, you didn't it, even hear it directly. Even if it's third party. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, I sit here that we both start laughing. Yeah, because you knew. That's terrible. It's, it, it, it's through hearsay. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good to hearsay that. <laughs> 
but you know, like I know we're kind of like going a little bit here, but that mong man expectation is tough love, and yeah. it bleeds into being a father. Mm-hmm. So, if you want, if you want your your boys, the men in our culture, to learn how to be compassionate, we too have to be compassionate to them yeah we have to allow it to be culturally appropriate and accepted to be feminine mm-hmm. to or not to even cry. feminine just like characteristics of a human yes to be emotional yeah. and and to your point like for all of our you know non-heterosexual non-binary brothers like it's tap into that you mm-hmm. know like it's okay Hmong men don't know how to say it. They just don't know how to say it. And so we're, what we're doing is we are planting the crumbs, leaving little crumb trails behind of it's okay. We don't and, – and honestly, selfishly, let me just get it out there. It's exhausting to be the one to have to teach your husband to love. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be my job, yeah. right? So that's the reason why we're helping my boys right now mm-hmm. to learn how to love so that when they find their wife – and or husband. They can or, love her. They can love. And, yeah. th- and then that person doesn't have to feel the burden of le- teaching my boys how to love. Yeah. Yeah. You need to teach them how to love. And that way they can learn to love themselves. Self-love. Because I always think that people always talk about relationships and how you need to forgive other people. But I also think sometimes some of us carry guilt that we, that we like limit ourselves and we can't move forward from because we're so mad or so angry at ourselves but we have to learn to forgive ourselves too yeah we have to learn to let ourselves make mistakes and to learn from those uh failing moments and to grow from that if you never forgive yourself either and you've never seen forgiveness in general how can you grow yeah right so forgiveness is so powerful in that way yes yeah so your own self-love mm-hmm. grace and forgiveness for yourself starts with you first before you can give to anyone else yeah that's how that's how you run an empty is when you're constantly pouring out into someone else's cup but you you yourself haven't even found it your cup is even filled to begin with Mm -hmm. with love grace and forgiveness how Mm -hmm. are you going to give it to someone else right so you're absolutely right it starts there so but you know now it's now or never y'all well i shouldn't say that sooner than never sooner than Sooner than later. Sooner than later. Sooner than later, right? I don't know. Uh, I think all that might yeah, apply. For <laughs> sooner than yeah. never. Then, you know, so so let's 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 understand that the the masculine expectation of this dream ideal Hmong man mm-hmm. take the things that we like and leave behind the things that we don't. Yeah, I think I think it's our job and our duty as the next generation to continue to improve the culture, right? And that's something that we'll probably touch upon later in our podcast is, you know, what does it mean to be Hmong enough, right? Like, what does it mean to be, you know, Hmong in general? Because that is evolving and it's always evolving. And so we have to continue to evolve and we have to continue to push the envelope and push boundaries and to the next level, right? So for us here in particular, we're talking about being self-aware, forgiving and different, uh, just like defying all these standards that we've been given so that we can be true, authentic people and redefine the Hmong culture so that we can be free as Hmong people. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and that's the thing is that anything and every change is for the better. Mm-hmm. Change is hard though. Change it is. is is uncomfortable mm-hmm. and change could mean some resistance at some point yeah but change is always 
to progress. Mm-hmm. Change is always going to, that's the one thing that's consistent in our life is change, right? Yeah. And I think that that's the way that we should look at our culture. That's how we should look at gender expectations mm-hmm. within our culture. Um, how do we expect our children to, to be? Um, what parts of it do you like? What parts of it don't you like? Even now, like I will close out by saying, I, my husband and I, we struggle with, are we going to hold my boys to the same gender role expectation for example Tyson mm-hmm. being the Tunza are we going to expect that we live with him are we going to expect him to live with us until the day we pass I don't know yet I feel like he is well uh, I don't know <laughs> I'd yet I'd be surprised if you guys did but only time will tell yeah <laughs> you see those are the things that would, yeah you know and even thinking about like weddings oh are, are we are we still gonna be like are we still going to be like getting the chicken and waving it over people's heads? Oh, are we... That's a good question. Are we still going to pay the bride price Oh, at my kids' generation? Uh, we, I oh. know now we still are, for yeah, sure. Yep. That's, these are the conversations that my husband and I are having. This is wild. Yes. Because even with people I know, our generation who has young children the conversations are being had of, I'm not asking for a bride price for my daughter. My husband is asking for a bride price for our daughter. Yeah. He, he, he is gung-ho about that. Yeah. And I, and so we, we, and I, I challenge him about, I'm like, okay, so are you going to ask for a bride price no matter what ethnic and what race she gets married to? And Uh, more importantly, I think not more importantly, but more challenging is what if come that time, she marries a Hmong man, but that Hmong man's parents will not pay the bride price. Wow. What are you going to do then? And these are the things that just as little, again, leaving little breadcrumbs for us to think about mm-hmm. with how our culture evolves mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. What is that going to look like? I don't know. This is crazy. Are we going to be completely polarized? One over here, one over here. I think it's very possible. I think it's very, very possible. We're going to create a cultural spectrum. I really believe it's already there, to be frank. Like, I think it's there. It's just not fully embraced yet. Like, there are people who are still very, very traditional, and there are people who are very, very modern, Mm -hmm. and some people who fall in between. And so, um, I think we've said this before, but I want to reiterate again is that, like, our podcast isn't to capture anything other than our experiences Mm -hmm. as Hmong women. Uh, navigating the the business world, the labor corporate world. Um, and so many of you guys will hopefully resonate with our stories and so many of you guys won't. So that's it's up to you guys to take what you will, but we are just acknowledging that um, there is a space here for people who are also searching for the same answers, who have similar questions, and um, we are being a part of this change in our culture. And we just wanted to acknowledge it. So hopefully we have a community where we can grow together um, no matter where you are on the cultural spectrum mm-hmm. of being a more American. 100%. This yeah. is all about being curious Yeah. and having the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, let's, uh, at that, let's just wrap it up. And um, we have a lot more great content coming for you guys. So thank you guys for tuning in. And We'll see you guys next week. See ya. Bye.